production and distribution of City Club Forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. <laughs> I love kind of the production uh, side of this, this uh, City Club. Uh, welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Thursday, February 1st, and I'm Cynthia Connolly, Director of Programming here at the City Club and moderator for today's conversation. And what a powerful moment to be in community with all of you. It was 13 years ago when the first building was opened on the Riddle Farm site in the Lower Kinsman neighborhood in the former Forgotten Triangle. As you saw in the film, it is now a thriving campus of innovation, entrepreneurship, and hope. Joining me on stage to discuss more about the film and dig deeper into some of the core topics about, around community, food justice, representation, and more is Kima Durden the third and Randy McShepard, co-founders of Riddell Green Partnership. And also joining us is Ross Monagle, filmmaker with Thriving Communities. Thank you. Just as in any City Club forum, if you have a question for our speakers, you can text it to 330-541-5794 or find your way to one of the microphones here. One of our staff will uh, let you know when it's your turn to head up. And uh, if you text in, our City Club staff will try their best to work it into the program. Members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming Randy, Ross, and Kima. <laughs> First of all, thank you all for being here. Congratulations on such an incredible film that was such a joy to watch. Um, the first time around just for prep and then here, watching it with all of you, it really just, it hit different, you know? Uh, you know, people knew pe everyone. You know, we're in community in this moment. And one of the core takeaways from that, that film is that this is more than just a farm. You know, when we talk about systemic racism, the quickest way to oppress a people is you destroy their food systems, right. you destroy their food sources. Right. And what you're doing here is reclaiming that, reclaiming that work. So Randy, uh, tell me a bit more about how you were able to convince people to invest in that vision and go beyond that bottom line of just a farm. Wow, well, um, it wasn't too hard to get people to invest because we had uh, good friends along the way like uh, the gentleman sitting right in front of me, Tim Tramble, who was heading up the Bird Bell Car Development Corporation. And uh, he, uh, he, Tim and I had a, a history, and um, I knew he cared passionately about um, that particular part of his uh, district or geographic focus. Um, also, uh, East 81st Street is a street where uh, my great aunt and uncle lived. So uh, East 81st and Otter, right at the opening uh, entry point of, of the farm, will always had that special um, place in my heart because I felt like I have to do this, we have to do this 
for family, for community, remembering uh, as a youngster what that community used to look like. And for those of you that don't know, back in the late 70s, an arsonist set a fire that burned down 29 homes on three streets. So that's why it became this notorious legal dumping site, because there were no more eyes on the street, there were no more houses on these streets. But um, we, uh, we had to convince um, you know, the city and a lot of others um, that we were for real about that. And the first way we did that was uh, writing our own checks. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't wait for people to give us money. We said, well, if we're serious about this, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So we wrote uh, personal checks to, to kind of get started. And uh, that got us off the ground. Also, um, as Kima said in the film, it was the Sisters of Charity that was the first foundation that said, you know, we, we believe in you. And uh, we literally didn't have anything more than a, a bag of, of, of seeds and a PowerPoint. But they, <laughs> but, but they, they, they did see the vision and they got, they got behind us. And then it, it started to build. And, uh, you know, we, once we cleaned off the lot, the initial 1.3 acre lot, and um, had plans to uh, build the greenhouse. And oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Today, there's a reason we picked this date. February 1st is the 13th anniversary of the very first building. And, and once that building was built, um, I think it started to show people, wow, maybe there's some, some possibility here. And, it, um, and then we started to assemble a board, and all of the folks you saw in the film you know, got excited about this, and we were off to the races. So. Yeah, and I know, Kima, for you, when you were approaching this film, I mean, one of the things that you really wanted to have everyone take away is, you know, the, the story of hope, and particularly dignity, right, and showing what is possible when investment is there, when the grit is there, when the time is there. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how you wanted to really showcase that part of the community. Yes, thank you. Um, I think for us, we all were born and raised in Cleveland. We're die-hard, live-hard Cleveland folks, and um, Cleveland is known for a lot of good things on e either side of the equation. And we just wanted to win for our city first. You know, we want this project and continue to want this project to be a national model. When people say Cleveland, they say Riddle. You know, they say that's the mecca of urban agriculture. If you want to see it, you got to go to Cleveland. And uh, because Cleveland is such a historical time, but it's gritty. I mean, we go through winter. I mean, we like the hardcore stomp down no matter what happens type people that's going to keep going. And then we bring that attitude to the Riddle Project, that no obstacles too big, nothing that we can't conquer if we put our heads together. You know, all of us having grown up together, having this uh, intrinsic relationship with each other. And that's been really a secret sauce for us, too. But the whole thing has just been really wanting to see and make Cleveland shine. Because we love this place, we love Cleveland, we love what we've done here. And that has allowed us to even expand outside of Cleveland to other places, but it had to start here at home. Absolutely, and Ross, when we're talking about you know, approaching filmmaking, right? You're going into a community who is very, very proud, but also we have all seen you know, documentaries and episodes. Anthony Bourdain, for example, went into Detroit and covered some of the food scene in Detroit, and there was a lot of pushback and criticism about the way they played into that deficit narrative. Mm -hmm. As you were doing the film, how were you able to focus on that, you know, the contribution narrative and the, hum the humanity in these communities rather than that deficit narrative? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, being from Milwaukee, uh, another Midwest city, very similar to Cleveland, um, I see a lot of that every day. You know, you, you, if you live in that community, you don't need a reminder. Everybody knows what's going on, right? Yeah. 
And so um, when we came here and met these guys, I mean, there was no other way to do it, right? It's like you, everybody in here knows them. They're, they're the most positive, warm people you'll ever meet. And um, I mean, even today, like, them insisting that I sit between them, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's like they, they, we, we want <laughs> We were family from day one, right? And that's how they made us feel. They didn't know who we were, where we were coming from, and why. Um, but they welcomed us in immediately. And you know, the positivity in the communities, that's everywhere, right? It's like we could, f everybody knows again about the negative. It's on the news. We all know it. But within those communities, too, there's always positivity. There's always good people doing good things. And so there's a ton of stories out there like this, not, not the same thing, but a lot like that. And the more people know that and are aware of that and just getting everybody aware of that and bringing them together, I think that's just the smallest thing that we can do, right? I mean, that's why we do what we do. So, um, I mean, yeah, just from, that's, that's why Jerry started the organization 12 years ago, was we knew it was out there and those stories need to be told. I think one of the other important things from films like this is, and it, it struck me too, the portion in the film where they said, you know, when I come on field trips, I don't see people like me, you know, mm -hmm. in this role. Representation is powerful. It is. It is powerful. Um, when we talk about producing films like this, uh, how do you envision cities like Cleveland or even external, you know, entities, you know, regionally? How do you think that we can leverage this film here in Northeast Ohio to help improve that representation and visibility of communities, you know, mm -hmm. where Kima and Randy are? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what we at Thriving Communities have been tasking ourselves with the last year and a half. You know, they've done 60 or so films, and it's like, what, but what, what about after the film? What do we do with the film to make the film work more? And um, that's something we're discussing right now and what we can do, but um, I, I just think, again, just spreading the message and um, getting it out there the best way we can, uh, especially with young people, young filmmakers. This is a great, doing films like this about community work is a great way to get experience and be doing something positive for the community at the same time, so. Absolutely. Um, and I know, Randy, I do want to make sure I take a quick beat here and honor the role Damien has played in this film and for Riddall specifically. Randy, you had mentioned his family. Yes, his wife and three children are right here. Stand up, please. Woo! 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 I know it's been uh, tough on them, as it's been on all of us, um, but uh, you should know that Taryn joined the board of directors. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's carrying, she's carrying the work forward, so. That is such a great way to carry on that legacy and, and pass that torch. And I have, a, I have a question for you, a little bit like that later on. Okay. Um, so, uh, so Kima, let's, let's talk a little bit about food justice here really quick. Um, we talk a lot about where we are today right now with urban ag. I love that phrase, but urban ag instead of agriculture, it's really cool. Um, where do you see the future of urban ag? You know, you talked a bit about, you know, the, the, a little bit of competition with the rural counterparts, right? Where do you see the future? of urban agriculture, and, and what challenges are you, uh, are you seeing in the future? 
Uh, first thing I say is I believe that most people, if not all people, want the best. Is can you afford the best? So when we enter into this food space, we have to produce a good product at a fair price. I mean, because if you can get two all-beef patties, <laughs> special, special sauce, sauce <laughs> lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion on a sesame seed bun, yep. for, for 79 cents, <laughs> and then you got to go to a Whole Foods and pay $4.99 for a bag of apples, you're going to choose with your wallet, not with your stomach. So that, therein lies the biggest battle, is can you create a product that allows you to stay in business and at the same time also afford to make it affordable for people? Mm. And so that's one of the beautiful benefits of having the Farmer Jones Market, which Mayor Blackwell is here. Our friend and silent partner, George Simon. Where you at, Mr. George? Yeah, yeah. here he is. Let him, let him front. Yeah, there he is. That's a, I got, I got a, this is not the question, but I got to tell this very quick story. Go for it. So when uh, Mr. Simon, um, George, you know, yeah, we go through this all the time. But when he, he actually acquired the property first, and we came in as leases, as renters. And I never met a guy that said, just take the keys and try it. If you don't like it, give the keys back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, we haven't gave the keys back in four years. <laughs> so we figured something out along the way. But, you know, the whole food piece is, you know, we firmly believe that he who feeds leads and that uh, food issues in the African-American and low-income communities, we, we suffer from the worst diets. Uh, we have the highest rate of disease. And so that is the core of our fight, is, is how do we change the narrative around health and diet? Because we could have all of these beautiful farms and campuses and greenhouses, but if we don't have any people in the community because everybody's sick, yep. all bets off. You know, Randy, uh, through his work at Policy Bridge, did a report on rebuilding blocks. And he used terminology about a community that was similar to medical terminology a community on life support, you know, a community that's ailing from this or that. And it was like, wow, that's a real good correlation when you, when you link people with, with, with uh, communities with food. So we figured if we changed the food narrative, we could change the community narrative. So all of these things became, began to weave together. And the challenge is that in the food business, the margins are very, very low for the amount of food that we could grow on the space that we have. So it's very, very difficult for an urban farm to remain financially stable just doing food. So we created, what, 12, 15 revenue streams to augment that because there's, it has the greatest value, but it may not be monetary. I think this is the first time we've seen the sun since January 15th. Yes, and that's the <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. That is yeah. a, that's a sign yeah, that's a sign. sign. It's a sign. <laughs> OK. Yeah. We need to plant today. Plant, yeah. plant, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And um, to keep it short, you know, it's just so we had to do, create compost. We had to do fish. We had to do aquaponics. We had to do our training class. We had to do a number of different things. You have a restaurant. Do we have a, a restaurant, restaurant. indoor produce market. Uh, now we're doing uh, tree nursery with the city of Cleveland in partnership. Yeah. So we had to do all of these other things that augment the value and the margins that's related to food. So You're not just, like, destroying the food apartheid. 
you know, or food deserts. Wow. You're, you're entering territory in true food sovereignty. That is right really now. true. That food is sovereignty. Really true. And that's, yeah, absolutely. Take a round of applause for that. That is incredible work. One last, one last point. We're living in a time in history like no other time where you can buy your gasoline, your lottery ticket, your beer, and your produce all from the same store, and it's a gas station. Mm. You know, the mini-mark phenomena, you know, that most people in low-income areas are faced with purchasing their food from, which doesn't have any nutritional value. So our secret is we produce a high-quality soil, um, and that allows us to really produce a high-quality product, because if it's not in the soil, it's not going to be in the plant. So. I would just like to add, if I may, um, a lot of the work around this whole movement is also cultural, because uh, as African Americans, we, we like our soul food, right? And, um, yeah. uh, but when you look at the, the statistics in the central neighborhood where we're located, higher incidences of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, as compared to other communities. So how do you get at that? It starts with diet. So I want to uh, commend Kima and Mark from our teams, because they're, they're 20, 30 year vegans. Mm. And yes, yes. And their early thinking really led to us creating the restaurant because Mark and Kimon and their wives are phenomenal cooks as well, but they would whip up these uh, vegan vegetarian dishes and just say to people, just try it, just taste it. And people would be very nervous, like, oh, should I? And all of a sudden, people were saying, that this is fantastic, this is delicious, and if I only knew how to prepare it or where to buy it, I might maybe take this journey with you. So. We created the restaurant where we could teach those classes, serve healthy food, meatless taco Tuesdays, fish fry Fridays at the Real Al Farm. Uh, come out and see us. Um, but then, uh, you know, people can, and then also they can come to the Farmer Jones Market and, and shop and acquire. Uh, and, and we do things kind of like old school. Remember, you used to go to the grocery store and someone would have the samples. So we even have our chef Cassandra who uh, will even whip up a dish. So we'll have a recipe card, a certain a piece of produce on sale, and a sample. So if you're ever going to get people to kind of change their eating habits, that's the way you do it. It's really been successful for us. Absolutely. I think it was in college when I saw like a Brussels sprout, like actually on the stock. <laughs> like, it blew my mind. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those little things that I think are important to making sure our community is educated and so they have the confidence to, to, to cook and uh, keep things local. Um, when, uh, for Ross, for you, I, I really want to give you a moment here to kind of talk to the audience and maybe anyone else who views this film in the future. You know, going through all the editing and you know, dedicating your blood, sweat, and tears to getting this film together. What's kind of like one or two things that you hope they really take away from this film? Oh wow! Um, you know, thriving communities. Like I said, they've been doing films for 12 years now, and normally the range in those films is 10 to 15 minutes. This one was 35, and that's I think the, uh, the previous longest I think was 15 or 17. Oh wow! So this one, it was like. All that to say is, my message is tell the story the way it should be told. Length of time is irrelevant. Um, you can't tell their story in five minutes. I mean, I argue you couldn't tell them in 35 minutes. There was stuff we left out, stuff that we want to put in there. But we did all that in two and a half days, I think, um, last year in April. So 15, 16 interviews, two days. That wasn't a lot of time to get what we call B-roll footage that we used to cut it up. So it was like. There's a lot more I wanted to put in there. We just didn't really have the, the way to do it. Um, but so yeah, the, the point is um, just tell the story the way it should be told. Don't worry about length. Don't worry about anything else. Um, honor, honor the story.
So you're saying we're going to have the extended version here soon? This is the first year, so uh, Thriving Communities, again, every year they have a topic that they uh, produce multiple films around. Last year was Regenerative Ag, and actually this is the first time we're continuing that theme on because of just what these guys are talking about, how important it is, so much. and how it really affects so many of the other stories that we've told over the last few years without us knowing it. It's like it all yeah. starts with food, right? So. Um, yeah, we're just gonna keep it going. A couple the quick questions here, and then we're gonna get to audience Q&A, so make sure you get that question ready. Um, so Kima, I had promised I'd get back to this. We're seeing a huge sea change in leadership in Cleveland. Huge sea change. And I know we got many more years left for, from each of you, all of you. Um, what vision do you have for that next generation for Riddall? When it's time for you guys to hang up your shovels or whatever metaphor you wanna use here. Uh, what vision do you have uh, for the next generation as they pick up the Yes, the I would start by saying I'm um, concerned only because they're going to grow up in such a different world than we did through climate change and the drastic s swings and weather patterns. And so there's this whole term called climate smart agriculture that says that most folks that grow are going to have to grow differently now than they'd have for the last thousands of years because the climate is so different. The growing season is changing. Where it was once very warm, now it's super cold, and where it vice versa. So they really face a daunting challenge. Uh, the benefit for us at, at Riddall is, first, our team. We have a beautiful team. Everybody from the Riddall team, raise your hand. But we also have a very strong youth core. So we've already started grooming our replacements. You know, a wise man once said, you know, always be training your understudy, always, because you can't leave until you find your replacement, you know? Mm -hmm. That's right. So we're always looking for our replacements to do so that we can move on and do other things. But uh, we have a very, very exciting youth crew. Uh, some of them are my personal children, so now they don't, you know, they can work, they don't need to get money from me anymore. <laughs> They can work for their money, you know, but uh, the one young son, Calvin, that was at the markets, my son, Aaron Ben Kimaz in the back, he's there. And they've really taken a hold of this piece. They love it. You know, Jay Sean, uh, Johnny's son, one of the farm managers there. So all of these young men, they're, you know, 28 and younger. And we laugh when we, when we engage communities and audiences because we say, you know, the students that come to our farm and visit, they don't want to hear from us old fogies anymore. They're like, oh man, go sit down somewhere. <laughs> but the youth can resonate with them better because they speak their language. Right. And when they get to talk, I don't even understand what they're saying half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, Shh, you know, they're talking, and that's, it's really a sight to see. But we're reinforcing ourselves now in preparation for that time, you know, um, when, we, uh, when we know that we have to you know, move on. And, you know, the thing with Damien was a very um, telling experience uh, because we just were not prepared for that. Right. But I like what Lori said in the movie. She said, we just got together, pulled together. Uncle Walt said leadership stood, and we all hooked in arms, and we kept, kept it going to this very day. So um, we always talk about how do you prepare this next generation, and you start now. Yeah. So we got a very, very strong and robust youth corps. Uh, young son just got back from Belize. We have a farm there, and there we're working with the local village school, Frank Seti School in Belize. 
Uh, we, police. Yeah, we just hired the litter police. So they got these little sashes and they go around picking up litter around the school. So, that's great. But think of what that's going to do for their future. And you know, you, we, we, we focus on the youth quite a bit because the seeds we can plant in them in their youth will carry all the way to adulthood. And so that's a huge investment. Yeah. So we've already started that process. Yeah. Now, Randy, uh, quickly, uh, when we think about some of those, you mentioned your dark days, right? When things are really, really tough. Um, thinking about what made the difference for you, that light at the end of the tunnel, the supports that were given, whether it was through private, philanthropic, you know, public support, um, what, what ways can we replicate that support here so when those dark days happen for other urban farms, we can jump on it immediately? So they don't have to do that hustle, that grit. They don't have to be so resilient. They can actually just succeed out the gate. Um, when you think about those hard times, what supports specifically were really helpful for you? Well, um, first and foremost, the Riddall story really boils down to the people. Um, every single member of the Riddall team has worked countless hours without pay. And um, in the early days when we didn't have money, everyone kind of believed in the vision and said, someday we'll get there. And, and eventually <laughs> they were able to get paid. But I mean, so I think. Um, you know, supporting uh, aspiring farmers, groups that are trying to do this work, um, just knowing that sometimes just taking a meeting with them can mean the world to them. Um, let, letting them know that you see them, letting them know that you want to help, uh, you're willing to answer questions, you're willing to point them in the right direction. All those kinds of things make a, a huge difference. And for us, you know, we had a, a pretty good number of uh, friends out there in the community, but we really leaned on each other quite a bit as well and knew that, well, if they're donating time, I don't feel so bad about donating time and keeping that larger vision uh, of uh, doing something positive for the community uh, make, make, makes all the difference. I would also say stay uh, developing relationships with any and everybody that you can. Uh, our councilman, Richard Starr, is here. And um, you, should know, you should know that the dumping problem at the Riddall Farm did not end when we took over 13 years ago. <laughs> and it continues to this day. And I, I text our dear councilman and say, someone just dropped off a couch and a mattress on 81st Street, and he's nice enough to get public works to come out and pick it up the same day. Yeah. So having those relationships really, really makes a difference. Great. Uh, we are about to begin the audience q and I'm Cynthia Connolly, Director of Programming here. And a reminder, we welcome questions from everyone, our guests, students, and those joining via our live stream at cityclub.org. If you'd like to text a question for our speakers, please text it to 330-541-5794, and our staff will try their best to work it into the program. Uh, we have our first question, please. Oh, we have a student from MC Squared. Hi. Hello. Um, sorry, can I pull, let me pull up my question because I wrote it down. Okay, so first of all, I wanted to start off by saying that my name is Kyle. I'm from MC Square, and I wanted to say that the movie was beautiful. I loved it. It was very inspiring. Thank you, Thank you for showing, showing it off, and I wanted to say I really liked it. So I, could, I feel like it's, I mean, I've seen Riddle personally. I've driven up down Kinsman multiple times. I have family that lives over there. So I know how Kinsman was originally when I was younger versus how I see it now. And there are still some remnants of how it was before back then. So I want to know if you guys plan on expanding Riddle in general to other parts of Kinsman. And also I want to know if 
Um, <laughs> I have a lot of questions, I know. But yeah, <laughs> I wanted to know if you weren't just going to make it a greenery, were you going to make it someplace where the youth can come and let's say get help with their homework? Because there's a place in Detroit in Highland Park, if I'm correct, called Avalon Village, and they have kind of the same um, thing that you guys are going on, but they're show, I mean, giving out to the entire youth. So I feel like having that in a place like Kinsman would definitely boost the community a lot more. So yeah, thank you. Uh, we had a really, really wise uh, man, he's in the audience, uh, Mr. Mario Marino, give us some advice several years ago. And it was very simple. He said, young man, he said, go deep, not wide. He said, go deep, not wide. And what we, how we interpreted that is that, you know, you could spread out so far that you, get, you could easily be toppled over. But if you go deep, it's harder to be moved. So we've been on a very, very rampant graph, uh, growth rate over these last 13 years, to say the least. And we began to look at 2024 as a, as a year to stop, reassess, find our strengths, find what we're doing best, find what we could do better, and just kind of take an internal assess assessment. Because the big question always, to, to my young man's point, is everybody says, what's next? What are you guys doing next? Like, did we do enough? <laughs> you know. But you know, we're always looking for unique opportunities. You know, we're working with Rust Belt Writers. I think Dan is in the house. I saw hey, Dan. Dan. Hello, Dan. You know, on the Cleveland Recycling Program, and that's really exciting. So there are some very unique opportunities for us. We got PNC here. We're working with PNC and many, many other community partners, not to leave anybody out. Uh, but it's a matter of being very selective and knowing what we can handle with the amount of people that we have, with the amount of time that we have, because. We all got families, we got other stuff, you know, that we still have to do. And um, so we just looked at this year as a year to take an assessment and see where we are, where we're going, and how we get there. So just wanted to add that and you guys could jump in. No, I just want to say when you said family, uh, when I watched that film, I thought a special award should be given to Monet Durden, his wife, Taryn Henderson, Damien's wife, Gail McShepard, my wife, <laughs> who all saw us leave home many days But no, I, I, would, uh, I would echo that very briefly, just that um, we do get the question a lot about what else is out there. I think the best thing that we're doing lately is partnering with our friends Foodstrong, who I also see in the audience. We have a, an initiative called the Vacant Lot Restoration Initiative, where we're going into neighborhoods and helping neighborhood groups, block clubs, other farmers that have smaller plots of land but that are trying to figure out how to get to the next level. We're working with them. We're providing technical support. We're helping them build hoop houses. We're, we're bringing them compost soil from Riddall. We're um, helping them to, to acquire land, all, all the things that they would need. And uh, we think that's the best gift we can give to ensure that others can uh, you know, join this effort and uh, do quality work and make their communities better. Absolutely. Question? Hi, I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, my name is Zenobian, and I got a couple of questions and comments. Alumni. So uh, yeah, I'm an alumni. Um, so seeds are hard to find, as you know. Let me let, tell you, you got, they have the only Water, see, watermelon with seeds in it, you can go there. They have watermelon with seeds. But seeds being so hard to find, how are you guys going about that? And I'm suggesting that maybe having seeds where you can sell and we could do rooftops and maybe some of these organizations can take space 
and teach within their organizations how to grow, and then, of course, they'll spread that. So I think the seeds is the problem. Uh, can you do maybe um, little kits for students, even, to take home with? So, you know, just getting it out there to make sure we spread healthy eating for our souls. Do you have a seed-saving program? We do. Um, uh, kudos to Dr. Green and that's Dave Hester, to Ben Kimai, Mark White, Mike, all of the team, because they've actively pushed us into this mode of uh, uh, keeping our seeds, starting a small seed bank. Uh, to the, Zenobia's point about the seeded watermelon, this is a true fact. This year, we outsold Giant Eagle and all of the big box stores with seeded watermelon. <laughs> That's huge. But starting a seed bank, we, want, we don't want GMO seeds. We want all organic seeds planted in our black Sorry. green soil. That's amazing. Black Indigenous seeds? Hmm? Native seeds? We do have seeds. That's yep. amazing. Yep. Uh, hello there. My name is Carlton, Carlton Moore. And I just wanted to ask the question, where will your film be shown at besides just this afternoon? And, and it was outstanding. Thank you. Well, thank you. I would say, uh, to be determined. <laughs> um, we uh, obviously we wish we could rent out the city club uh, for the next couple of weeks and, and have could continued showings. We'll update but, our marquee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, if you would get our if you would get our um, email, um, we'll be posting it on our website. Okay. Eventually, it will wind up and live on our website. But for, for the short term, we're going to st still have some private screenings. Okay, then. Thank so, you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Great. It'll be on Thriving Communities website as well. As well as uh, all the other films too, yeah. Right. Go ahead. Awesome, okay, we have a text question. Um, this question is from Councilman Richard A. Starr. What are the plans? <laughs> well, uh, what He's are the shy, plans? he's shy. <laughs> it's a little hard to get to the mic over here. <laughs> um, what are the plans of the Riddall family for the underdeveloped land surrounding their property? Um, he's asking this question to understand how uh, you can support the development of the Forgotten Triangle. Uh, should you guys consider building housing or expanding rail instead? Kim, I used to talk a lot about housing. Uh, <laughs> I'm really shy, everybody. Basically, <laughs> really am. But uh, no, Councilman, we, um, we are really in the process of looking at what other plots we can acquire. Uh, we started out 13 years ago at 1.2 acres. Now we manage over 18 acres all on the same area. Um, we are in desperate need, now that we're involved in the Cleveland Recycling Program, desperate need of space to do more compost generation and, and production. Um, we know that there's several empty plots, empty parcels on 83rd uh, that we have our eye on. Um, we have done our first residential house on uh, East 82nd, it is the, one of the last standing houses on that block. Uh, Mr. Bobby Denson, who was an uh, original, lived, uh, original resident of the neighborhood going back 20, 30 years, uh, eventually sold the house to us. And now our illustrious Dr. Greenhand is our first tenant. <laughs> So we want to take that residence in uh, Davis stand on the second floor, beautiful, beautiful setup. On the first floor, we want to do a gift shop. We want to do a museum that tells the story of the area. And then we want to um, also have a conference room where we can meet and have smaller meetings and, and take some pressure off of the restaurant building. Next question. 
Yes, hello, family. How y'all doing? Excellent. <laughs> you know, I, I, I listen to you guys, and I hear the different variations of, of how, you know, you're helping people through food and health. And I'm just wondering, when the city is talking about reducing violence, all the money that's being spent on developing buildings, I hear nothing about people. And I'm wondering about how they can help you guys and assist you on all the money that's being spent. How can you guys get money to help build the people of Cleveland? Well, I can speak to that to some extent because um, we were included in um, ARPA funds that were set aside for built infrastructure and uh, I should say built, built, environment built environment and green infrastructure. So all the other partners in the room are doing housing and other kinds of uh, construction. We're the one entity that's introducing the concept of green infrastructure. So we will be training uh, in areas including urban forestry, urban agriculture, composting, perhaps landscaping, to try to show that there really can't be a green industry that creates jobs, especially for young people trying to find their way and discover you know, where they want to go. So uh, I, I applaud the city for supporting us in that regard. And we, we think um, it can turn into something pretty meaningful. Um, and uh, I think that's the best thing we can do is just get people not only turned on to urban agriculture, but to really understand that you can really have a meaningful career doing this work if you get involved and continue to learn and grow and maybe start your own uh, riddle type enterprise. Great. Right on Great. Thank you. Amazing film. Um, my name is Thank Dr. You. Wendy Ellis Jones. I'm new to Cleveland literally eight days in. Hey, welcome. Oh, this is all right. Question is, um, I see from the film that the mission fosters community knowing that black men statistically don't live past the age of 50 uh, due to the health, poor health care, lack of education or awareness. Does Riddle have any plans to create, recruit, and train and educate specifically black men to think differently with regard to food and health and career opportunities, but possibly in urban farming? Um, I'm glad you asked that question because it did remind me um, back to the councilman's question about ways to develop the campus. Um, one of the best parts of the film we didn't get a chance to see, which was the credits. <laughs> and in the credits, um, there's a special section that shows that Kima's son, Aharon, who's standing in the back of the room, actually raised money to uh, establish an oxygen dome, a uh, prolific dome, where um, we're actually leading classes around health and wellness. So that includes things like reflexology, meditation, yoga, et cetera. And uh, he's working with community agencies to kind of plug in programming to try to get to that broader need for health and wellness uh, beyond just the diet side of it. So uh, we're, we're excited about that. We haven't necessarily identified black men uh, as much as just anyone that we can get from the community to eat healthier. Um, uh, we would obviously be open to that if the opportunity were to present itself um, because we, we do know, uh, being a group of black men that really started this whole effort, uh, we want to be around, we want to see others uh, around for a long time. So that's perhaps something, doctor, you can uh, give us some, uh, some guidance. Uh, doctor Charles Modlin, who we all know has done the Minority Men's Health, is a good friend, uh, he's now at Metro. Um, uh, perhaps we can talk with him about uh, doing something special around uh, black male health. Um, just one quick thing I would add is that the other uh, big trigger in the community is uh, mental health. Yep. And we began to stick our toe in that water a little bit to see, because we, we can't change the narrative until we get healthy. And that's, that's social, you know, relationship, all of, you know, from A to Z. And traditionally, men don't talk. 
We don't say when it hurts, you know, we just becoming more conscious about our regular physicals and going to the hospital and so forth. But there's a stigma around manhood that, that I think worth, is worth having some serious discussion about. You know, if we grew up with things like men don't cry, you know, we grew up with certain things that were just taboo um, to be classified as a man. And then we do draw a clear distinction between being a man and being a male, because those are two different, different phenomena. So we're sticking our toe in this mental health space because uh, we got to get healthy as a community. And it's, it's more than just what we put in our mouth. It's what we listen to. It's what's in our brain. It's what happened when we were children, generational mental health. All of these are things that we that still a scar in our community. And that's one of the valuable things about our veterans work that we do is because our veterans work helps work with veterans with, with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's sort of what led us into it, to that space, because you know, the soldiers that come back, they come back and the family is left with the burden of taking care of, of these individuals, both male and female. So how could we be a better assistance to both the veterans and their families as support, you know, to help them through those tough days? So it's a very, very good question that the doctor raised. Thank you. And I'd be remiss if I didn't add to that since you mentioned veterans that uh, you, you saw them in the film. Uh, would you stand up, please, uh, Uncle Walt? Uncle Walt. Um, so, I want you all to know that uh, Walt and Damien started talking about uh, his real frustration as a veteran seeing homeless veterans. And we all put our heads together, partnered with the Union Miles Development Corporation, and we are in the process of building, breaking ground next month, as a matter of fact, on veteran housing in the Union Miles community. Oh, wow. and the, yes, yes. And the facility will be named in his honor, the Walter College Veteran House. And I just love it when he said, you don't meet many, many too many 82-year-old fools. <laughs> That's the classic statement of the whole, the whole movie. So they had to make some good choices along the way. That's right. Do we have another text question? Yep, we have a text question. I am so proud of Damien's vision and the team's love for him and the community. What seeds did you guys plant in Seattle and Belize? OK. Um, what type of seeds? <laughs> no, you know, I, I love this state, uh, statement that, that Mark- or figurative? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this statement that Mark often makes about uh, what we grow at Red All and what we've grown around the country and around the globe. And as we grow hope, you know, um, we grow men, we grow women. People are like, well, what are y'all men doing down there? You know, so they come down and find out we're growing, like, growing men down here and, 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 and women. And, you know, so you could come and be a part of that growth process. But uh, the big thing for us, particularly in Belize, is just showing the children something different. You know, um, having them to have pride in their neighborhood because uh, Belize sits right below uh, Mexico, south of Mexico, right at the tip in the... Uh, Caribbean Sea there, and they suffer from many of the same health ailments that we do here. And you think, wow, that's, that's really odd, but it's true. So the information that we share here locally is just as valuable to that community as it is to this community. And food for us and our, and our plant is really just the 
thing to get people's attention. Our biggest goal is how do we affect and change the quality of life of individuals? Because you know, our best experiences was around a dinner table. You know, I think Tim said it in the, his portion. He said, food is the longest relationship we'll have with anything on the planet. You know, you'll get mad at a friend, you people get divorced, they go through all type of stuff, but you ain't gonna divorce food. <laughs> You're gonna be like, I'm sorry, food. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I'm hungry. You know, I'll be so back. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. You know, and um, so food is just catches people's attention, you know, but uh, the broader thing of what we do is our humanitarian work around that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Friends, Kima, Randy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Forums like this one are made possible thanks to generous support from individuals like you. You can learn more about how to become a guardian of free speech at cityclub.org. Today's forum is also sponsored by RPM with additional support from the Crew Foundation. Thank you so much. Uh, join me in welcoming our students from MC Squared STEM High School. With the we would also like to welcome guests at the tables hosted by Business Volunteers Unlimited, the Cleveland Metro Parks, Cleveland Veterans Collaborative, the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, PNC Bank, Community Development Banking, Randy McShepard, Red All Green Partnership, <laughs> Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, RPM International Inc., Shaker Lakes Garden Club, Thriving Communities Towards Employment, Trust for Public Land, and the Western Reserve Chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. What an incredible roster of organizations. Thank you all so much for being here. Yes. Next week at the City Club on Wednesday, February 7th, we will be back at the Happy Dog in Detroit Shoreway taking on education journalism. Megan Marnichek with Cleveland Transformation Alliance will lead the conversation with Cameron Fields, formerly of The Plain Dealer, Amy Morona with Signal Cleveland, and Connor Morris with IdeaStream Public Media. This forum is free and open to the public. Come get some uh, hot dogs and tater tots. You can learn more about this forum and others at cityclub.org. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you once again to our speakers today. Congrats on such an incredible film. And thank you, members and friends of the City Club. I'm Cynthia Connolly, and this forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.